Acute Media. Acute Media. Acute Media. Acute.co.ke. Attention, please. Attention, please. This feel like the whole entire world collapsed. Uh, this day yellow tape ish. They keep running out of it. We just so like Bernard, welcome. Thank you, Dixon. You Thank know, you for the food, first of all. Actually, speaking of food, <laughs> you know, you know, our producer, uh, thanks KFC for this, our producer, he always says he's a vegan. Oh. Literally, like, he'll come to my house, mm-hmm. we'll do meat, mm-hmm. he'll just look at us. But right now, Nona Meshkileo, he's not a vegan, he's eating chicken, man. Those people who claim to be vegans, don't you know that even plants feel the pain <laughs> when you <laughs> chop them down? <laughs> I think Jorogan is making your statement some time back. <laughs> you know, like, I also never get the entire concept of being vegans. Like I think it's more on um, the nutritional factor of being a vegan compared to eating meat. Because meat, of course, we all know the effects, long-term effects of meat. Ah. But then see like if you can eat like meat balanced with uh, with veggies i think that's that's like okay because your body needs protein yeah yeah and uh, and i mean beans are not so good in the long term beans are not so good in the long term <laughs> the long term ah. you never have those effects when you eat beans or the the gassing yeah the gas everything. yeah but that's short term it's more of a short term effect unless mm-hmm. if you eat beans and mm-hmm. you have um ulcers pylori and all those things you're, not, you're basically avoid to avoid beans this is gonna happen cause gassiness even meat but i believe i tend to believe um the meat that you're not supposed to eat ni the highly processed meat mm. this this meat on the streets that kind of meat is i don't i don't think people should be checking that kind of meat but, but but you know bena have you ever gotten to the point whereby it seems like nowadays almost everything we eat mm. it's either it's either highly processed one two it's either chemically you know like forced to, yeah yeah actually i think most i mean 90% not even 90% i think um as more and more communities get urbanized mm-hmm. the food sector also gets more engineered to keep up pace to keep pace with the development of the population there was, the, there was a paper I was looking at. We're gonna mm-hmm. say the population is growing. The food, food is not, food production is not growing as fast as the human population. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is engineering food to keep up with the pace. That's why you have GMOs that can grow in a matter of months, as compared to weeks actually, as compared to months. Mm-hmm. So that you're able to keep up with the population. Same with, same thing with processed meat. You know, mm-hmm. so is the chicken to They, someone opens a big factory slaughtering almost a thousand chickens a day to take to mcdonald's or kfc whichever i mean there is no there's no natural way to produce that amount of chicken mm-hmm. on a monthly basis mm-hmm. the only thing you can actually do is just now engineer the chicken to grow as fast mm-hmm. allow for you engineer the the meat to look as big okay it's one of those things that they yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. yeah but do you find like because because i think then that also explains why we have this increase in uh, cancer cases diabetes yeah, yeah. <coughs> is there a way like to control do you have some way in which you can control this what do you think i don't think because you can mm-hmm. the thing is uh i know gmo isn't like yeah. technically bad bad mm. but what i think is is, is people have become so profit-minded mm-hmm. to the to the extent that they really don't care. I don't know if you you watch the white alert and the red alert that was aired in yeah. some mm-hmm. local TV mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. If you look at how you know like profit is being used to even pass regulation in parliament, it's just it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, I don't think you can stop it because, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. most of the companies that control um, much of this production. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're run by people who want to basically capitalism. Mm-hmm. Even if, let's take an example of a Kenyan-based chain like um, even KFC, mm-hmm. say Java. Um, sorry to say, you can edit this part out. Java, you know, <laughs> they produce, they process the ninis, they pre-cook the 
the these sliced um, potatoes mm. in the industrial area that they bring them to 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 the main branches mm-hmm. they're not like like freshly cooked from the kitchen they precook them then they do distribution to all their centers mm-hmm. of course you know the effect of precooking food like 24 hours is things that happen to the food yeah even the conditions under which the food is being precooked they're mm-hmm. not as good so if any of you are to try to make the food as natural as possible i don't think we can because we have reached a point where by people just want to eat move fast moving food mm. Mm. unless you want to have your own farm somewhere and plant your own produce it would be possible for us to go back to the natural way of cultivating food even if you actually to have even if you are to have your own farm i don't think you can prevent chemicals yeah. from entering the produce okay. because of the chemicals you produce remember there was a story about um you know monsanto monsanto and bear mm-hmm. bear is a german company that does that produces um the, what, what do they do nazangalekonet mm-hmm. they produce chemicals for plants easy fungicides yeah. you know all these things the the fertilizers, fertilizers exactly okay, okay. they acquired a company called monsanto mm-hmm. and monsanto was being sued by some guys I think it was Australian some Australian guys or the US guys um some farmers were using Monsanto products and after a period of time these guys died of cancer mm. so the family of the guy who was using Monsanto products sued Bayer because Bayer acquired Monsanto mm-hmm. so you can imagine the adverse effects that these chemicals have on um, large scale farms especially in the US the US like they produce tons and tons of corn yes. tons and tons of uh, wheat on a daily basis mm-hmm. so you have to use all these chemicals to keep the food growing fast mm-hmm. so i mean if you, even here in kenya we consume a lot of uh, bear products they have a, an office in thika uh, road pale mm. kwa junction have mm. you ever seen it mm-hmm. there's an office produce some on about there bear there's a there's a building next to you know when you are trying to branch off to uh, Mombasa road mm-hmm. from Thika road mm-hmm. there's a road that leads towards uh, just after Garden City mm-hmm. there is bear triangle okay. connect sometime okay I'll, I'll check that out so mm-hmm. that is their office the main office in East Africa to distribution mm-hmm. so i don't think we'll ever stop this chemical okay effects of effects on our food that we eat every day mm-hmm. yeah so just like the good thing with the, the good thing with the human bodies is they tend to learn how to adapt and and change with eventually i guess maybe our kids will have but don't you think mm-hmm. there will come a point where our bodies are not able to handle those chemicals chemicals anymore i don't know I, oh, well maybe maybe not because i think our bodies tend to be able to adapt to the changes in the environment mm-hmm. you know like the darwinian yeah yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so eventually we'll have folks will be able to their bodies will adapt mm-hmm. to the situation mm-hmm then maybe that can be passed down dna to the kids that, that, that's like my my little but again I, I, tend, i tend to look at it this way mm-hmm. maybe the body can adapt but our um, mortality rate will be reduced the mortality rate the number of years that you live um life expectancy life expectancy mm. the life expectancy will greatly reduce especially yes. among millennials we consume yes. junk food every day yes. compared to our parents who lived 100 plus that's years that's very true So our life expectancy will probably be 60 years, 70 years and then people are gone unless you are really high vegan and you try to work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So young people work out. <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's the takeaway. Yes, the takeaway. Like, we can't we can't we can't go without sodas. We can't go without mm, mm. And, and guys like producer who are vegans when the, the moment they see chicken then yeah. they, the whole vegan thing Yeah, sort of disappear. Chicken is chicken, man. Everyone loves chicken. Everyone loves like, like I never get it. You know, those those are some of the things that I can never give up. What was the first meat that the humans ate? Oh no. Producer, check your history. I think maybe in the garden of Eden, what did they, what what meat what will kona kola in the beginning? I don't think it was chicken. In the garden, in the garden for the fruits. Yeah. Before 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 they was chased out, before humans were chased out of the garden. They're only allowed to eat uh, fruits. It was only fruits, I guess. Then who, who was the first human to eat meat? My assumption, biblically I think it might be Noah's time. It was Cain, maybe. Uh. Yeah, I think he was eating meat. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they were eating goats. It's interesting. How did okay, like the Bible never documents everything, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bernard. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. This is Yellow Tape. Thank you for having me, man. It's usually nice talking to you. Glad to be here to talk about all these different topics. Real quick, how's Onesha doing? Onesha, you told me it's Onesha. Yeah, it's Onesha Technologies. Oh, by the way, uh, Bernard is the founder and CEO. He doesn't like using the word CEO, but he's the founder of <laughs> Onesha Technologies. Yeah. Um, a company that is dedicated. It's a marketplace yeah, for yeah. entrepreneurs. Mm. So basically, we are building a platform to enable businesses mm-hmm. access the best talent from the African market. And when we say best talent, we mean the best social media marketers, the best designers in Africa, the best software developers, the best web engineers. Basically, uh, the creative industry at large. We have 70 plus categories where businesses can actually tap into. And uh, we have built a very strong network of 1,000 plus creatives mm-hmm. made up of software engineers, developers, uh, social media marketers, and um, a diverse set of skill sets. So what we do is we partner with businesses, both small and large, and even sometimes agencies that want to up into that talent to use the talent on demand so when we say on demand we mean they are not full-time workers mm-hmm. basically freelancers so we 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 have businesses that uh, tap into that talent from all parts of uh, the world right now so we have kenyan businesses guys from nigeria south africa the us europe and um and uh, middle east so our goal is to we normally say our goal is to help accelerate the creation of the next a million jobs mm. through creating uh, several gigs uh, because we have the highest unemployment rates in Africa 40% unemployment rate of among young people yeah. the only way to reduce that gap from 40% to around 20% is to open up our talent uh, ecosystem to the world so we normally use an example of say if a designer if a web designer is based in Nairobi they should be able to comfortably work with a business based in the US say London or Amsterdam or New York and we are currently doing that actually. So we have a couple of creatives who have been able to work with businesses all over the world. No, that's incredible. Yeah. You know, the, the good thing, the, the thing I like about Onesha is how it has, you know, like it has, is it mutated or, yeah. you know, like, because initially the focus was just on students. When you, when you first, when this entire concept came, was how yeah. can you link students to internship and opportunities? Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, how did, before we talk about Onesha right now, how was that? tweaking process from focusing on students to now opening up the market to any creative i feel it was a lot it's a long <coughs> long story um so we start this thing i started this thing in uh i think second year the the, the goal was to enable students uh, showcase their work to employers so the point was when you go to an employer you're able to you're able to showcase <coughs> to your employer i'm looking for an internship and these are the things that i'm able to do at the moment here is my um here is my farm project I'm currently doing. Here is my side project I'm doing for graphic design. Mm. Here is my, you know, uh, consultancy project I'm currently doing with a small business or NGO. So you're able to show an employer all the things you're currently doing, even if you don't have actual work experience. So we are supposed to document everything that a person does mm-hmm. for them to be more credible to employers. Since employers said you don't have experience, why not showcase all the things you're currently doing that are sort of giving you hands-on experience? Oh. Oh, that's incredible. So we, 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 in 2015, that was in early 2015. So in late 2015, we applied for Safaricom Upwards Accelerator. They were running a, a competition whereby they were supposed to choose 12 companies to be trained for three months. Then they were to choose three companies from the 12 companies mm. to be given 1.2 million each. So we applied, we got selected. <coughs> uh, so we underwent training for three months in Strathmore University, Safaricom Academy. Uh, then, of course, the award ceremony was happening, I think, in December. So from the 12 companies that were selected, I think three companies, uh, the first one was supposed to be given 1.2 million, the second one 500K, the third one, I think, 200K. The first one was a company called Link, which is very popular in the Kenyan market mm. that does uh, informal service workers, linking them to businesses. Uh, the second one was called Hisa Play, I think. Mm-hmm. The third one was called, I think, Mukulima App. Mm-hmm. So, oh, actually, I remember. That's that, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, we were not selected among the top three uh, because our business model wasn't as, as that strong. Mm-hmm. But jumping into 2016, we we happened to <coughs> form friendship with the first company, which is which was Link. Link. Okay. We went, we moved into their <coughs> office in Ngara. 
and the reason why we decided to work together from one office is for us to share experiences in terms of how Link is building product and how Anesha can adopt into how Anesha can basically learn on how to build a very good product. They want to, they went on to raise 1.4 million dollars from various investors and we hadn't raised any money because of the challenges that most people are very familiar with uh, being a Kenyan founder or being a black founder. Um, it was very tough for you to raise capital if you don't have experience mm. um, running a business before. So it was really difficult for us to convince why people need to put in money into the business. So we said, let's just, you know, bootstrap. Mm -hmm. We're still in campus. We have nothing to lose. It, it fails. We have nothing to lose. We can always start something, something new. So we were basically running the business based on the cash coming in from help. Mm. So we used to put, I used to put it from money. help, like yeah, higher education, high education board. board. Okay. Actually, <laughs> I spent all my campus savings into, okay. into, into, into building on Asia. Into building on Asia. I don't remember every, I don't, I don't ever remember a time when I, when I got money from help and went to a club. I don't mm. even remember a single moment. Okay. We'll, so we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was 2016. We, was still doing the students thingy and everything. And then late 2016, that was around September, we got our first angel investment from mm -hmm. a family member who saw what you we were doing and uh, decided to give us some cash to, you know, run the business. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's the one who gave us the idea. Instead of doing students, why not try the normal Kenyan? He's not an average, he's not a tech investor. Actually, he used to invest in Bitcoin. Uh, this in 2016, yeah. 2017, there yeah, was Bitcoin, a yes. about Bitcoin. Yes. So, people make, so he made money from Bitcoin and then he was putting the, the money in on net. That's very good. <laughs> so he was a very wise <laughs> investor. So, um, uh, so Edwin, if you're listening, you need to come to this podcast. He's a very <laughs> passionate guy about network marketing. He needs to come. So yeah, um, Then we'll talk about network marketing. Yeah, actually, yeah, he'll yeah. give you a lot of stories about network marketing. Yes. So, so we started... Uh, Engaging professionals, and we remember, I remember approaching Ashley's, Ashley's Beauty, because yeah. we wanted to sign up makeup artists and guys who do manicure, pedicure. You are a student, you're still a professional, so that seemed to be a very good entry point for us. So we approached Ashley's, we spoke to the MD, Mr. Bob Ashley's. Um, it is not called Ashley's, it's called Mr. Bob. I, I never <laughs> still a good friend of mine oh, okay. after today. Okay. Um, so he told us, yeah, sure, I'd try it with a couple of our students. So... A couple of students signed up, but most of them didn't have data bundles to upload their portfolio. So, so basically how Ashley works is you go as a student and you are told to build up your portfolio as a student of manicure, pedicure, cosmetology <coughs> as, you, as you study. So morning, morning, morning time you do classes, evening time you go to the streets to look for, 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 for students. I'm sure you've, I don't know whether you've ever seen these guys going around uh, yes. wearing Ashley's t-shirts. Yes. So what they normally do is they're looking for clients to offer the service. So Ashley's now rates you, I think, based on how many clients you bring in per day and how many of those um, convert into customers, which I think is a very nice model. It's, a it's in incredible. So we, we onboarded the very first makeup artist. We got a few gigs here and there. I remember the first gig that came in from the platform was, actually it wasn't even the platform. Someone called us. Mm -hmm. You guys have makeup artists? Um... Um, I run a fashion business in Nairobi and I'm looking for a makeup artist to enable my models to do a shoot. It's not like when they do shoots, you do makeup and everything. Yeah. Give, give, us one, give us one makeup artist. Mm -hmm. So actually, I had to actually go to Ashley's myself, look for someone who is good, and then, quote, in quote, quotes, deliver the model to the client. <laughs> so, uh, so it was, I think, on a Monday. Then we said, okay, let's plan uh, a shoot on Saturday. Uh, we'll try and look for a location. Uh, within Nairobi because we didn't want to do it in CBD because of the licenses. So we had to look for some place. I think it was somewhere around Lovington, if I remember well. Lovington, like, so it was a big compound. So we had to get... And then what happened is the models that she had left for some reason. Mm. So she asked us, can you provide alternative models? We actually provided an alternative model. And I will never forget that lady. She was called Becky. Mm -hmm. So she came on board, uh, Becky Kabogi. Uh, I think she now works with, uh, I think, one of the media houses for makeup, if I'm not wrong. Or she does. She's doing her own gigs. So she came on board. Uh, she did the makeup, and we provided models, and the shoot happened. That was our first paid gig. I remember the amount was 3,500 shillings. Onesha, made, Onesha net didn't even make money from that gig because the photographer was paid that amount directly. And it was actually a weird pricing. So uh, so to cut the sto long story short, we, we started focusing on prof professionals. So we said... Actually, if the photographer showed up for the gig, why not get more people like them and get more businesses like her, then, mm -hmm. you know, match the two. 
Um, so we started diversifying categories. We started with photography mostly and videography. So the kind of categories we chose also dictated the kind of customers we were approaching. So we were thinking, okay, who will need mostly photography and videography in Nairobi? Uh, we went through a list of industries and we settled on hotels. Hotels need a lot of content done for them. So we approached uh, a couple of hotels in Nairobi. I remember one took six months to close. Um, they, are, they, are very, they are one of our best clients up to date. Mm -hmm. um, so we are very grateful to, um, to the kind of experience that uh, that part of the process taught us. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> actually the client was Western Hotel. It took like six months to close them. Um, but I'm very grateful to the guys um, over there who really believed in what Onesha was doing and was willing to take a risk on us. So we, 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 they've been our client for like three years. Mm -hmm. uh, this is our fourth year, I think, third <coughs> year, third year ending. Uh, and they're very much satisfied with our services. We've served businesses like them over 60% of the marketing costs. Mm -hmm. If you approach an agency and you're an hotel, uh, the minimum marketing budget they'll tell you for to conduct a campaign for you is around five million. Most hotels can't afford that, so we do a yearly agreement with these hotels and tell them we actually have guys on freelance who work with with us. Uh, we can actually reduce the five million to around one point two million mm. by having these people on freelance. So that's how we've been able to you know evolve on nature into. Um, I think now most creatives, most guys, most guys in the creative industry are starting to get <coughs> to know about Onesha, yeah. and you know that's the kind of trend that you want to continue okay yeah um there's there's something just as, as you're finishing your your message your the second the, the last part where you mentioned that if you take like a company a hotel for a marketing budget with an agency it's going to be like five million mm. Wh why do you think that that cost is that huge the cost is huge because <coughs> most of these agencies mm. they have um one they have offices huge offices yes uh Probably, I'm assuming um, they pay probably 1.2 million in rent a month. I mean, in rent on a monthly basis. Because if you're an agency, a creative agency, you have you should have a good space, a sweet space where developers and designers can actually f have the freedom to work from. Mm. So you have to furnish the office to have the caliber of uh, the, the the kind of environment that a designer can be productive to produce mm. a commercial for a brand. Because creatives require a very relaxed atmosphere. So you have to invest a lot of a lot of uh, money in equipment and infrastructure for mm -hmm. you to make that for you to make that possible. Mm -hmm. Second is you the talent in the creative industry is very expensive to have them on full time basis. Mm. If you go to Scanner today or Glivy or uh, um, Macan or something, uh, the head of design who is usually called an art director, the the guy gets probably paid five hundred k a month to do art direction. So an art director, what they do is. Before campaign starts, he gets a designer, he gets a videographer, he gets um, a graphic designer, puts them together. These guys are supposed to come <coughs> up with ideas. Mm -hmm. The art director says, I don't think what you guys are coming up with mm -hmm. meets what the client needs. Mm -hmm. So if it's a logo, can you tweak it a bit for, you, for it to appear attractive to customer X? Mm -hmm. So they basically do the direction of uh, producing commercials. Then we have other guys called account managers. Mm -hmm. An account manager, you're told... Uh, we have an account coming on board like Coca-Cola or Unilever. You're supposed to ensure um, every quarter there is work produced for this client. That's your work. Mm -hmm. Actually, there are people who just maintain only Unilever account or Coca-Cola account or Heineken account in Kenyan agencies. These guys get paid almost 600k a month in salaries. So if you look at all those costs, so imagine an agency that has six heads of departments mm. or even 10 heads of departments at the direction, and then you have almost... 15 account managers. Yeah. Your bill comes to around 20 million a month mm. in terms of expenses. Oh, around that figure. Yeah. So any business that you bring on board should we'll at least meet cost. Yeah. has to recover that cost. Yeah. And most of your creatives <coughs> are full-time because Coca-Cola might say we are launching a campaign tomorrow. You must have your talent ready. You can't go looking for freelancers outside. You must have these people. Even that's why the agencies charge retainer to these clients. So a retainer means... Even when um, I'm using the big names because you can actually mention them. Mm -hmm. If even when Coca-Cola is not paying, even when a quarter Coca-Cola is not comp uh, running Being a campaign, a, yes. you must pay. They must pay a retainer. And then one day Coca-Cola may decide to instead to have 20 campaigns, they won't pay you extra. 
they'll still pay you the same retainer. Oh, okay. So the economics of an agency are really, really tough for you to understand how it works. Mm -hmm. So we said, let's just get rid of the, you know, upfront costs of having all these people full time. Don't invest in big office. Start with a small office. We actually even operate from a very small office mm -hmm. uh, with our eight employees. Um, then just have any other talent on freelance basis. The only thing that you have to do really well is finding the best people because you don't want to screw that up if you hook up a business with a, a lazy designer. Yeah. So we had to vet all these people before they join our network. Even up to this day, we have to meet you physically, give you a task to do to see if you are good in whatever you're saying you do. Um, you know, call some of your references that you have in your resume, look at your portfolio. Basically, we have a couple of things that we look into before you get admitted into our network. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just um, a bit of, uh, I don't know if it's a devil or it's an ignorant question. Yeah. So the goal of Onesha is to create a million jobs in yeah. the long run. Mm. You know, like stop on stop for a second and ask yourself if, if, uh, if things like, because uh, like what you're doing right now is saving costs to clients. Yeah. Meaning, if the moment you don't have a client, yeah, your freelancer technically not working. Yeah. And they they don't have that. Um, what's the word? They don't have that freedom, or rather, the retainer to keep them. You know, like moving and surviving. Yeah. Don't you see, like, on there, there's also a, a conflict of interest in that particular yeah, yeah. instance? Some of these, most of these freelancers <coughs> actually are not relying on Onesha full time. Mm. So they have other gigs they're doing on Upwork, on Fiverr, on mm -hmm. Kuhasol, mm -hmm. also a Kenyan side. They have other gigs they're doing, so they're not fully relying on, on in Onesha. Okay. We only have a couple of creatives that we have committed to Onesha fully. Like, we have one, we, we have sort of branched out a division for Onesha that does fully social media marketing for businesses mm -hmm. because we realized. You need to have someone 24-7 um, seated somewhere. So when an, when, when, when an hotel says, most of our clients are currently hotels, when mm -hmm. an hotel says we are running a campaign during the weekend, you don't struggle to find someone to do the artworks for them. Okay. So we have a couple of uh, creatives we have on retainer, we on a monthly basis, to handle basically urgent work. Um, actually, I should bring one of them here one day. I mm -hmm. think, was it the one that I was telling you about, Kevin? Uh, um, the one we spoke about in the morning. Ah, uh, no. Uh. If, I think if you go to Lance Den, you'll see him. He's, you, and a, he's the guy with specs when we were pitching in Lance oh, Den. You, wait, wait, you guys pitch? I never saw your pitch on Lance Oh, we have Den. actually gone to Lance Den twice. When was this? <laughs> we went to one last year. Last, last year? Uh -huh. I think last year. Then we went also in season two. So ah. in season two, we were turned down. Uh -huh. Then he told us to come back the second time. Two years later, we came back. We raised some money from, from the guy. Who gave you cash? Uh, we... <laughs> We uh, we have Chris, Chris Senanu. <laughs> Senanu. And, um, and ah, uh, Senanu is a good person to have. This lady. Uh, the Joan, one Joan who runs uh, PMS. It was interesting because uh -huh. she runs an agency, a creative agency. So mm -hmm. she, it, was also, it was also a sort of strategy for her to branch out ah, into okay. SMEs. So she runs an, an advertising agency. Um, but things happened and we didn't... Uh, we didn't agree on some things, okay. so we decided to go with a different set of investors. Ah, so Senanu is not... Mm, no, 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 they're not. You know, I was about to ask you, how do you handle meetings with Senanu? Ah, actually, the very first meeting was very brutal. We should have him here <laughs> in this podcast. It be very interesting to... Actually, you should have a good... You should have a discussion with Chris Senanu mm -hmm. and, and, and some of these guys who sit in front of uh, the show. Mm -hmm. um, they'll... There's some insight they have on how to run a, a growing business in Kenya that most small businesses don't have, mm -hmm. what exists outside an entrepreneur's mind is generic information. Like, how do you start a business on Google, give you basically a template, a boilerplate, yes, yes. boilerplate advice. Yeah. There is no specific advice for someone to tell you, okay, how do you build cells in Nairobi? Okay, no, people every day go to Nairobi, uh, tarmac, Actually, even entrepreneurs, Tamak, actually, go every day, Tamak, look for people, do walk-ins to offices, mm -hmm. do calls every day to, 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 to these people. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember, like, our sales process was brutal. You walk into an office, you say, I want to talk to the marketing manager who does your, your design and marketing. They mm -hmm. tell you, oh, we have an agency doing it. Mm -hmm. You go to the next office, oh, we have an agency doing it. Mm -hmm. Then the next, the next office, oh, we have an agency doing it. Yeah. So you have to do like <coughs> 10 of those work-ins for you to get the 10th person who will tell you, okay, uh, I think they're doing posters. They can give you a job here, 3K. I am either way. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll, there's that um, being street smart <coughs> in terms of... Uh, how to do sales mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur in the Kenyan market is very brutal. 
and and having insights from Chris and Anu and Joan. Uh, Joan is a very hardworking woman. She's run PMS agency for I think twenty four years. Oh, that's. Um, yeah, that's, that's I think she started PMS the same time that Gina Dean started Gina Dean agency. Mm-hmm. You heard of Gina Dean? I I'm not sure. She's, she she handled Kenya Airways and Safari for almost fifteen years or so. Ah, is she the one who did uh, not to mine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that was the agency that does that. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. that's that was a good advert. Those those in Safari company ads that Kichamboza had the credit whatever she go. She was the one who was doing it. Okay. So um, either way, that was a tangent discussion. Mm-hmm. But the point is, sometimes you also need to analyze uh, the value of your business and if the money that you're being given is equal to the worth of your of your business as, w- as well as the team we appreciate i mean the the the, the airtime we were given by launchland to say what we what we do and unfortunately we couldn't agree with them yeah. in terms of what they thought the the business was was worth at that time um it's also a problem with the larger ecosystem in terms of how our Kenyan business is valued. So most of these lions, they value businesses based on their current portfolio. So if I own a restaurant, like for example, Chris Enano, it's very it's publicly known. He mm-hmm. owns a couple of uh, of outlets, restaurants, Tribeca and the rest, Mama Shanti in in, mm-hmm. in Lovington. So they value a business based on cash flow. Like how much are you making a month in revenue? How much are you making a month in a year in terms of in terms of uh, gross turnover? Then of course they multiply by five, a multiple mm-hmm. of five. Mm-hmm. So if you're making two million a year, like that time I remember we were doing I think two million a year. Then multiply by five, that's ten million. So if you're asking me to give you two million, I should take twenty percent at least of your business. But they are not valuing one the team, two mm-hmm. the the core team that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the advisory team in your management, three, and the most important aspect is the technology that you're building mm-hmm. and the potential the tech has to 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 exponentially increase the turnoff of the business after a specific number of years. So they don't, they d- the same way they project revenue, they don't project the potential for the technology. The technology. So if okay. you are to do, let's give values, so if they say your business in terms of cash flow is worth 10 million then they should also, they should do the same thing to your technology to the, yeah, that right you're now yeah. your tech is valued at 1 million mm-hmm. if someone wants to acquire you they probably give you a million then in 5 years probably around 20 million i mean i mean uh, 10 million as well mm-hmm. so your total valuation of business should be around 20 million mm-hmm. so if you're asking me 2 million i you should give me back 10% yeah so 2 million about 20 million so it makes sense so yeah, there are so many uh, things that affect how Kenyan businesses invest, how Kenyan how Kenyan investors invest okay. in startups. That's uh, uh, now that you've also brought this investing aspect, I think it's good we can talk about it a little bit. So you said that uh, you were unable to get funding when you were working under Link. Yeah, because okay, it wasn't. Yeah, like sharing the office with oh, Link. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Mm. because Link, you said they had they had raised about one point five million. Yeah, in dollars that is. Yeah. But then for you, you guys were unable to, and then you quoted one you were black. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I also think I didn't blame the, the ecosystem that time, mm-hmm. majorly because our business wasn't uh, strong enough to make a convincing case to investors. So I also look back at that time and say, actually, the business wasn't make sense at that time. Mm-hmm. So no one could have given me two million. But over time, we've... Uh, Build. Uh, we built. We built a growing business that that is able to attract VC funding, and uh, we are glad that we have wonderful investors who um, have been supporting us. We mm. got. We eventually got an investor from Norway. Ah, yeah. Congrats, man. Yeah, they are called Pangea Funds. Mm-hmm. So Pangea Funds is a collection of um, angel investors from the Nordic region. Mm-hmm. So Norway, Belgium, these Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they put them together. They then allocate these funds to startups working on, they say, uh, the world's the world's toughest problems, mm-hmm. unemployment being one of them. So, um, so they 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 gave us some cash, and we've been uh, really working very well along them. And uh, we are looking at uh, next five years. We may probably not raise capital because of the kind of business we want to build before we raise capital. So we are willing to put in the much time and resources needed for us to 
first of all, build a business that has cash flow, mm-hmm. a business that has technology, and a business that has very good talent in terms of employees who work for Nesha, as well as the talent in our network. So when you approach a VC, um, you have some leverage. So, and I think most people should, most, most business owners or founders of startups should also start focusing on that part of the business. Not, not always a technology. Te- mm-hmm. Technology is always good, but, but how is your business um, generating some cash flow? Mm-hmm. So people should also take time to think about that as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, those are some really, you know, like incredible insights. Yeah. Uh, before, l- let me just, you, okay. 2015, uh, 16, when you guys took part in the Apuiz, Safaricom Apuiz. Yeah. What can you say has changed, one, in the business, and two, in you, between that period so that now that you are able now to at least articulate the business differently, uh, you know, like you yourself, what are the transitions that you've gone through to get to the point that you are where you have funding and stuff? Because I'm sure there's a bit of changes in the model. Yeah. In the, yeah. Interesting question. Actually, I've never thought about it. <laughs> um, now, starting to think of it, I think one, personally, one thing that... Uh, First of all, we were campus students. Mm. So imagine you are a campus student and you're approaching the CEO for, say, Uber. Uber is one of our clients, by the way. Uber Kenya is mm-hmm. one of our clients. Um, and then you, they ask you, what do you do? I'm a student. And they, they won't take you seriously. Mm. And you haven't built enough social, social leverage for you to command that kind of, uh, of attention from, from a CEO, country manager that is. And I remember when we pitched, when we, were, we went to pitch to Uber, um, one thing that came out was we didn't have experience doing, doing agency work. I mean, we were like one year old as an agency, and, and we have agencies with over 50, 20 years' experience pitching. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that also prevented us from acquiring customers fast. So in terms of my personal space, I had to invest a lot of time in building social capital. The people I knew, the events I went to, and the kind of interactions I had with people. So I'm very lucky to have uh, went to Alliance High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Alliance High School has what we call Alliance High School Old Boys Club. And the club has almost every member that you can imagine in the Kenyan corporate scene, and even in the political space. Orengo, Mugo Kibati, you know, uh, several, Anyang Nyongo, all these guys, they're part of the HS network in terms of old boys. So whenever I could go to all these old boy dinners, the AHS reunion dinners, I would actually introduce what we do, you know. And then someone is, oh, interesting. Let's have a meeting on Monday and discuss more. So, so I would use this uh, membership of AHS to build that social capital that I needed for me to build uh, the business. And also, luckily enough, I knew friends who had gone to study in other universities outside. Um, I finished from four in 2012, mm-hmm. and we have 10 or 20 classmates who went to Harvard, to MIT, to Notre Dame, to London School of Business. So I will take time to engage them in discussions that uh, would bring out either their interest in the space that I was looking into, or appear as if I have value that I can actually provide to them. Most of these guys, they want to do research about Africa, and I had some insights about the African market in terms of unemployment. So every discussion I basically had with them, I had to appear as a person of value to them so that they're able to keep you in their you know, contact list at the top people to talk to whenever they want to consult on something. So that, that really opened up a space that I have never imagined before. Um, and of course, after that, one other avenue that really gave us massive traction was being part of the GSEA, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the GSEA has, so we took part in the competition in 2016. We won and I went to Bangkok for a week, spent some time there. I mean, I was, man, like, like I was taken back by what people of my age do versus what I was doing at that time. You, you, you get a kid in campus and the guy is selling uh, robots to the, the Thailand government. You're like, 
are we in the same world? Yeah. Are we at the same age? It's interesting. <laughs> so I became part of the network and uh, I made incredible friends who have who 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 you know give us business as well as uh, give us access to contacts that we need for us to build the business. So GSA is run by EO Kenya. So EO Kenya is the entrepreneurs organization. It has a network of around 20,000 entrepreneurs all over the world, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So uh, GSA is an umbrella it's under the EO program. So EO Kenya has I think 126 I think members. Um, you can think of all the best CEOs uh, Fanisha Palace, Victoria Court, Stellan Carpet Center, the biggest manufacturers of tanks in East Africa, uh, Safal Africa, um, Apex. Like them, like so. If I wanted to give a call today, that's why we've really been having a very successful uh, webinar series because mm-hmm. you know I'm able to have access to all these people. So that also sort of opened an avenue, personally. So that's on a personal side. I had to invest a lot of time for me to build that network, and that almost took four years. Even today, I'm still building it. In terms of the business. What we have, of course, the business has grown because of our personal experiences, myself and my co-founder Levis. Um, so we initially, actually, initially we were, we were building on Asia for us to win prizes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a competition. Even 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 Kavika Point whereby you go to a competition, the same judge sees you. I saw you. <laughs> I, saw, I saw you in a competition yesterday. Yeah. So you're basically building this competition to go into prizes. But that actually helped to some extent because when you're pitching. They give you feedback. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can actually win at this stage, but if you improve on this sector, that's actually our metro. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was actually he's the best guy who's best place to tell the story for <laughs> Malaysia. He was even doing up with. I can imagine it was very brutal with you yeah. guys because I know it's very it's, brutal. It's brutal. He was. So I remember. <laughs> I think I re- I think I met yes Robert in during up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we kept in touch. I mean. Whenever we needed any kind of help, he could actually give us the kind of help we needed. I think the good thing with Robert is he's able to push you to an extent where you actually see, I think I need to build a business here. So he, he puts you to question. He, he makes you question almost every aspect of your business. So he's being a critic. So um, the business has grown because we have taken time to, I mean, we haven't really... We haven't hit the kind of revenues that some of these agencies do, mm-hmm. but we we can actually clearly see where we want the business to go to in the next ten years, which we didn't have initially. So having building that long term mindset for the business is the most important thing that we have done for Nesha. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. doing doing this thing for four and a half years and. Uh, And I remember, I think the first two years, we didn't even pay ourselves salaries. Um, like even being honest, even nowadays, we pay our employees before we pay ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tremendous growth um, journey for us that we've had. Wow, that's mm. up how many... But the, uh, let me just take a break. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, you can catch, actually, the Robert Jai we are talking about, you can catch Yahweh's podcast on uh, you can find on and hey you can find him <laughs> you can you eh yes, you do the advert i want to advertise oh. yahweh's hard talk <laughs> yeah you should luckily listen to yahweh's hard talk <laughs> on uh, acute media he talks about ict cios and working from home i think yes <laughs> yeah. you know there's, there's an interesting one he did and um he, he was saying uh, he was talking about how You know, like if CIOs, CTOs, if they mm. want to get the respect that they need, they need to also adjust and you know, like get a space in the in the in the boardroom. Yeah. You know, like his argument was. Okay, yeah, yeah. His, his argument was like, IT is like the core, because right now, right now, I don't think there's a business that does not rely on IT. Mm. You'll find maybe your data centers are somewhere. You'll, most of the things that are working most of them they are online mm. so but then it department you know his argument was it's not really appreciated it seems yeah. like it's uh, you know boys playing with toys at the office yeah <laughs> yeah actually i think i think i mean he was saying that uh, kitambo what the it guys used to do is the guy who changes your passwords yes the guy who, who connects your cables <laughs> you yeah know. yeah and right now um, <coughs> that position is shifting towards you know he should he should i think he quoted james mwangi james mwangi said mm. 
he was if he was to be hired today by a bank yes he would have wanted to become the CIO mm-hmm. because you are the one directing how the bank is moving for the next 10 years i mean if you look at the vision of most businesses the vision is not to have more employees the vision is not to have big offices the vision is not to have um what you know all these corporate yeah, shenanigans yeah. that most businesses want to associate themselves with that's not their vision most businesses want to at least own a piece of the new infrastructure that is being built at the moment and the new infrastructure is transactions on the web mm-hmm. and having uh some sort of community on on the web so because now most people are shifting from from small clusters offline yeah. Yeah. to having communities on the web basically so if you're able to have a voice in these communities that exist online then you're able to build a uh, brand loyalty among these communities so most of these CIOs they always try to be part of these big communities that's why at the moment the most important uh, platform being built is LinkedIn mm-hmm. because now everyone wants to um learn everyone wants to be part of the professional discussion in terms of how do businesses grow and how do we grow personally mm-hmm. yeah um yeah I, i just want to i want to get your view on on these uh you spoke about four years yeah of no salo mm. four years of you investing your time your resources to build a network basically you know like you're talking about the rubber meeting the road mm. uh, and that's not whenever and entrepreneurship it's you know like it has been it has it has been marketed or it has been seen as the answer to unemployment yeah but do you think that um we have the right you know like the young people in the country for example do they have the right mindset the right skill set to actually you know like go through this pain this struggle knocking 10 doors mm-hmm. you know like nine doors then the 10th one you still have the courage to go ahead and knock it again yeah do you th- do you think we have that mindset um to be honest i don't think most people have uh because there's one thing that most millennials use to build businesses which actually is a very long notion a very wrong notion in terms of how to approach things mm-hmm. and that is um you want to build a business for you to get money to fund your lifestyle yes which which is the worst way to build a business because the moment you get your first check you will not pay your rent i mean the office rent mm-hmm. at the expense of you're going to have fun with the che- your first check you won't pay your employees mm-hmm. you won't invest that money back into the business so every coin that comes into the business basically goes out so this notion that so so this notion of saying i want to build a business for me to live in my own house for me to have a good life early on uh, is a very wrong way to look at how to start building a business maybe it can mm-hmm. come later in life mm-hmm. when your business has taken when your business has outgrown you in terms of you can actually live comfortably and the business can sustain your your lifestyle um Also one thing that I was engaging with a friend of mine yesterday he works at BCG in Boston so we were basically having a chat in terms of um how how our lives are shaped by the decisions we make early in life and one of the things that we that we noted from the discussion was between 20 to 25 years old or actually from 18 from 18 to 25 years old most of the things that we do they are dictated by external factors mm-hmm. you want to be a singer because you saw madonna you know singing you want to be a business person because you saw james mwangi you want to be a good founder because you saw uh, mark zuckerberg you want to be the <coughs> next icon in africa because dangote did it so most of the things early on they are shaped by external factors you want to be like people but but it reaches a point whereby especially if you get deep deep into these things much of the motivation stops coming from the external part of the world 
and it starts coming from the internal part mm. of who you are okay this is the point where you start asking yourself if you are doing a if you're running a business okay why am i running this business and do i see myself running this business 10 years down the line if you are motivated by external factors the answer is probably no because mm. at some at some point you will run out of fuel in terms of motivation so what happens is you start so when you ask yourself all these questions you take a step back and reevaluate how to move forward so if you're building a business you say okay um i've been doing this for the past four years and much of the motivation has been coming from external factors if i'm to continue what what internal factors do i want to draw my motivations from mm. and myself as bernard honestly my biggest motivation is to meet people every day who tell me bernard by the way because of you i got a well paying job i'm now attached to this company because of you i'm able to make an income because of you i got to expand my client portfolio from just working with clients within nairobi to clients outside africa and i now have x number of employees in my business because we have had small agencies that have uh, been built as a result of the onesha network mm-hmm. so a creative says i'm getting so much work from onesha let me just set up like a small agency so their entire business oh, is actually onesha revenue that's and incredible. i feel like there is a guy who runs a business called business support services africa uh-huh. 90% of his revenue is from onesha um it does social media marketing for our clients mm-hmm. and those are the people that i want to meet every day so 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 our goal is can we at least accelerate and have a million of more of those people if you can actually have a million of more of those people so imagine the multiply effect mm-hmm. if you have a million people who have jobs they're probably supporting 5x yes. of of the network yeah. so that's basically 5 million people mm. and that is what i want to do every day you know mm. so that is the kind of mo- that is the kind of internal motivation mm-hmm. that that motivates my co-founder and i to continue building the onesha network as mm-hmm. opposed to the external factors of course you love external factors like ndangote you 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 read their stories yeah, every yeah. day the work the incredible work they're doing but don't make that be your motivation because if you chase if you if you say you want to be the next dangote mm-hmm. sometimes the goal may seem unattainable and mm-hmm. you may run out of fuel yeah yeah, yeah. that's true that's true mm. uh, congrats i mean that's that's that's, that's 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 amazing because mm. uh, uh, we've known each other for three years now yeah i think but they wanted to do first meet I th- oh yeah we met through yeah i think yeah i think 17 or 18 wait i think 2017 because that's when i that's when like i actively started building this oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. from campus radio yes, from campus radio to this mm. it has also been interesting yeah uh, you know time is really becoming very strenuous mm. but i want to continue this conversation we definitely need to have part two yeah yeah totally sindio because i think there's there's plenty there's you know we haven't spoken about G, uh, global entrepreneurship what's it called it's really called global students student entrepreneurship awards awards yeah what it basically does is they recognize um they recognize the best student entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in every country and um what happens is they bring together all these 50 plus students from 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 Kenya Nigeria South Africa Ghana uh, DRC uh the US, Thailand, Amsterdam, Australia, all these countries and you meet in one place. Mm-hmm. And you spend at least two weeks together to learn, you get trainings, you get to learn experiences. Actually what that does is um it opens your world to possibilities that exist outside your realms of reality in terms of I live in you you realize you live your own cocoon sometimes because yeah. you even as a Kenyan you realize actually Kenya we are living in our own cocoon people are doing amazing things outside outside politics mm. because Kenya is a highly politicized country so you, you you your mind sometimes shifts from i don't want to engage in things that are not of value to me and i want to start focusing on things that matter that's why you really see me commenting on politics mm-hmm. it's not important to me so the 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 but you have to be aware of how politics shape you are poli- you are you are environment in, in where you do business mm-hmm. so that's very important for people to not but 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 I, like apart from gsca there are there are several communities outside gsca that most people can take advantage of there are online communities where you can be part of and most people think actually it's it's like a cliche oh there are online communities like it's one of those things that people say but if you take time and engage in an online community you'll get a ton of 
a ton of uh, advice from people who, run, who do different things. Um, but I think the, the, the takeaway from this podcast is, uh, like if you are a young person, I can't speak on people who are older than me because probably they have more experience. So like if you're 18 to 25, I think patience is um, so underrated in terms of how patient you should be for things to turn out the way they are. People should uh, put that as their number one thing in how they actually run their businesses and even their lives. I mean, you can't start a business today and then say tomorrow you're, you're, you're your own boss. Actually, I even heard this thing that runs around that is being peddled by... <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> being your own boss. It's not. Like, it's... Uh, it's that's actually painting a very wrong picture of... Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Of, 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 how, what of, of what entrepreneurship is. Yeah. You'll yeah. actually, you'll, if you don't tell these young people the real story of, of what it entails <laughs> for you to even move a business from zero revenue to 500K in revenue. Yeah. And you are a young person. I mean, uh, you, people have to learn, you know. So there, there has to be a different tool that people have to use because technically you're working for your employees. Yes. You're working for your customers. When everyone else leaves at five, you are there up to 12 midnight sending yeah. invoices. That's, that's, you, know. you know, like uh, we usually have conversations with you yeah. that go late and, and I'll call you at around 11. Then you're like, oh, yeah. let, let me finish this invoice. I'm calling you. Oh, yeah. Every time you call <laughs> me, I tell you, I'm finishing one thing. <laughs> I'm finishing this invoice. I'm yeah. back. And you see, like that's, that's like the, the uh, like the, when I was asking the mental capacity, I'm yeah. sure like that wasn't there maybe in 2015. Yeah. And it's something that you've acquired. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. actually very, very correct. You, yeah. You've made a very good conclusion in terms of the mental capacity sort of develops over time. Mm. Because when you... In, I ever, there's something I posted in my status. Actually, I'm supposed to post tomorrow, <laughs> not, not today. If, you're t if, you, if you are 18 to 25, um, try to spend as much time with yourself as possible. Like... Probably ninety percent of your time spend it by yourself, not like not not like being lonely or something. Like live alone, uh, don't live with someone else. Um, do things alone, explore ideas by yourself, uh, make your own friends. Don't let people push you into doing things. Like own your space in terms of the things that you want to go into. Myself, like I've, I don't think between eighteen to I think 18 to 23, 18 to 23, I wasn't even in a relationship. Much of my life was just business and trying to learn as much as possible, which actually I think was good because when you live by yourself, there is some um, superpower that you discover. Like, first of all, you have no kids who are running around disturbing you. You have no parents. Mm -hmm. You have... No one is no girlfriend. Addicted. No girlfriend. Who you is know, we need to go out today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what happens is you have all this time by yourself, where you can actually read interesting things, think on how to work on very tough problems, um, look at how your life sort of will evolve in the next ten years. So by the time you are twenty-five and you are ready to at least <coughs> have some sort of relationship with people, you know what you want as a person. Mm -hmm. So most people just do the opposite. You yeah. spend all your ninis with parties and everything, yeah. which I don't think is wise. Party after party. Yeah. yeah. It's not a discussion we should have for the other day. We, we, day. we need to... Um, that's a good place to end this podcast. I don't want to add anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a young person, 1825, spend some time alone. Discover who you really are. Yeah. And I think that's part of also the... I um, for some reason, I was reading the Montessori education system. Mm. And between 1825, she actually suggested that let the kid, let the person stay alone. Because whatever that they, they have acquired, mm. they're able now to survive exactly. on their own. I was... Just before we close <laughs> on the podcast... Two things I was listening to this morning. One was a quote from Tupac Shakur. Mm -hmm. Two was another quote from Jordan Peterson. It was in Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. So Jordan Peterson says, <coughs> between 18 to 25, at, actually 26, try to see to what extent you can push yourself into. Like if you, can you, can you read 10 hours a day by yourself? Can you work 18 hours a day out of 24 hours? Can you spend my time by yourself without nobody? 
So as you approach 26, you're able to know what things you're really good at. So you start now pulling back slowly from being intense as you approach your 40s. So mm-hmm. you, you sort of you sort of start on a the okay. curve, yes. you go up, yes. then you start going down when you... Because mm-hmm. when as you go approach your 40s, you can only do two, three things yes. that we're really good at. Mm. The second thing that um, Tupac said was... What, what did he say? There's something he said about age. If I remember that quote, I'll, I'll quote it in the next podcast. I've forgotten <laughs> it. Okay. Bernard, thank you so much. This was good. This, this, that, that was wealth of information. Yeah, thank you, man. And uh, I don't know, like, this was so short. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was. Producer, I mean, um, yeah. p- producer, we'll tell the government to excuse us from the curfew <laughs> because we are advising young people. We are an essential service. <laughs> yeah, we are an essential service. Yeah, <laughs> we are shaping minds out here. Yes. All right. But let's have uh, one Saturday afternoon and talk about these things more. So there are so many things that I um, <coughs> haven't spoken about in. Yeah. I think it's Yeah. I haven't spoken about in. Um, Just let me, let me, uh, so subscribe to Yellow Tape on yeah. Spotify. Where else? Google and Apple Podcasts. Then mm. you can also listen and stream this podcast and many others on acute.co.ke. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much, Bernard. Yeah. Cheers, man. Thanks for, for thank you for having me. Let's have a one Saturday afternoon and talk about a full it. day. Yeah, like a full a full not a full day a full, a full afternoon. No, like a full day, like you know, like we'll have food. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. We'll have day. drinks and everything. Mm. Just like a full day. Yeah, that'll be good. Guys, and then have ca- an extra person. Yeah, mm. guys, catch this episode. That episode to be six hours. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> Time to, to practice what Jordan Peterson said. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. How long can you listen to a podcast? Yeah, Alan, can you listen to a podcast? <laughs>